And now we take you to Evangel Assembly of God in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. You know, I believe that God has got a specific plan and purpose for every single person. And I don't think that his plans are that difficult to understand. In fact, God wants you to know what his plan and what his purpose is for you. I want us to read aloud Ephesians 5, verse 17. I want you to read it aloud and loudly. Come on, use your best voice. Here we go together. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. See, the Lord wants you to understand what his will is for your life, but you're not going to find it by accident. You're not going to back into his will. You'll discover his will as you seek first the kingdom of God, as you ask, as you seek, as you knock, as you spend time in his word and in his presence. And in Psalms chapter 37, David put it this way. He said, Psalms 37 verse 3, he said, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Now, I want to draw your attention to verse 4 this morning. I want us to read this aloud and loudly. Come on, using your best voice. Here we go. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. This means that when we align ourselves with the Lord, actually he will place his desires down in our heart. Now, I recognize that many people have misunderstood this verse of Scripture. They've misinterpreted it. They just, they read it. It says, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. And all they see is desires of your heart. And there are some people who say, see, I'm believing God. He's going to give me my million-dollar house. He's going to give me my Lamborghini sports car. He's going to give me my promotion and, 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 and this and that and the other. And, folks, it's, it's good to have faith. It's good to believe God. But, you see, you can read it and miss the first part. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And I just want to suggest that he changes the desires as you delight yourself in the Lord. You know, I remember many years ago, I had a man who came to me and he says, Terrell, he said, Psalms 34, Psalms, excuse me, Psalms 37, verse 4, says that if I delight myself in the Lord, he'll give me the desires of my heart. And I'm afraid all this fellow saw was the desires of my heart. And he said, I want you to come into agreement in prayer that so-and-so is going to be my wife. And I said, what's her name again? And he told me her name. I said, well, there's only one problem with that. She's married to somebody else. And with all sincerity, he looked at me and he says, yes, but I'm delighting myself in the Lord and he's given me the desires of my heart and I desire her as a wife. I said, well, well, I said, hold on. Let's back up a little bit. I said, I know her husband. He is a good man. God doesn't want you busting up their, oh, pastor, you don't understand. He's not a good husband. They've got a bad marriage. And I'm going to rescue her out of this bad marriage. And I said, now hold on a second. God doesn't want them to get divorced. I said, you know, sometimes divorce takes place and, 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 and God is merciful. God is merciful. He helps us rebuild our lives. 
Thank God for that. But I said, Malachi says, and this is the Lord speaking, he says, I hate divorce. Now, why does God hate divorce, my friend? And he kind of looked at me like, I can't believe you're saying this to me. I said, why does God hate divorce? He hates divorce because divorce hurts men and women. Divorce hurts boys and girls. And I happen to know that this couple has two young children. Do you mean to tell me that God is sending you to break up their marriage, to destroy the happiness of those two little kids? Are you saying that God's in that? He says, I really think he is. I said, buddy, you were wrong. He didn't like what I had to say. But nonetheless, God bless him, you know. Here's what happens. If you'll really delight yourself in the Lord, if you'll really fall in love with Jesus, with everything inside you, he'll begin changing the desires that are inside your heart. You know, when, when, I, when I became a follower of Christ, I was age 17 in high school, and, and I remember I fell in love with God's Word. And I've told you before how I went to my British literature teacher and, and contracted with her. The class was reading an old English novel called Beowulf, and I contracted with her to read First and Second Samuel. I said, after all, it's British literature, King James Version. She agreed. So while they're slogging through 4th century Beowulf, man, I'm reading where David's saying to Goliath, you come against me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied, who I am going this day, I'm going to take your head off you, and I'm going to feed your carcass to the buzzards of the air, and all the earth that is going to know that God doesn't save by a sword or a spear, because the battle is the Lord's. He's going to give me into your hand. He's going to give you into my hand. Man, I'd read that in the Holy Ghost would just be jumping up and down inside me. And I'd look around class and everybody's just slogging through a wolf. And I think, hmm, let me tell you what happened that year. God began to change. I didn't ask him to. Wasn't expecting it. He began to change the desires inside my heart. I didn't want to hang around people that all they're doing is reading pornography. I didn't want to smoke pot anymore. I didn't want to be around drug addicts. I didn't want to be around alcoholics. I didn't want to be around a lot of the people who were doing wild and crazy things at parties that I thought was just so fun. See, God began to change the desires of my heart. Now, look at verse 4 here in, in, in Psalms 37, verse 4. It, it says again, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires. See that word delight. It literally means to be soft and pliable. It's speaking about having a heart that's sensitive to God, that's sensitive to the Holy Spirit, that's sensitive to God's Word. And, and, and this brings us to our very first point this morning. If you want to know God's purpose for your life, then here it is. Number one, pray, Jesus, may I have a soft and may I have a pliable heart toward you. May I not be hard-headed and wise in my own opinion, but God, may my heart be soft, may it be pliable, may I be sensitive to you. Folks, if you put Jesus first, and if you'll delight yourself in the Lord, I'm telling you, he will begin to order the desires of your heart, and he knows what's best for you, because he made you. But if you put Jesus first, if you'll present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him, if 
on a regular basis, you'll renew your mind by reading God's Word. How many of you know that's a big if? That's a big if because I'll tell you what, we've all got a carnal nature to deal with. And we all are prone to stubbornness and selfishness. It can be inside us. And we live in a sinful world. And if we're not careful, we can be carried along with the same values that other people in the world have. You know, yesterday, Kathy and I were having a disagreement. The truth, it was not a dis- It was an argument. It was pretty intense. We're both here today. I'm glad there weren't any steak knives present. I... She said something that hurt my feelings. I felt like she was judging me. Let me tell you something, ladies. Your man can't live without respect. We're like little kids. I mean, really, we are. We can't live without respect. Boy, she had just hurt my feelings, just dashed my hopes. So I said something and hurt her feelings. And I'll be honest with you, we began arguing about this and that, and before long, we'd forgotten what the real problem was. I mean, we were just into it. And she said, she said, she said, Terrell, you've done some things that have deeply, deeply hurt me. And I was just getting ready to really make my point. But then it caught me, she says, you've deeply, deeply hurt hurt me and I could feel the woundedness in her words and it just stopped me and I just had to see if you and I are careful we can love Jesus but we can also be conformed to the world see if we're not careful we can we can love the Lord but man we can still be selfish and and stubborn and she started I didn't start it How many of you know you can justify yourself if you want to? You can be the judge. You can be the prosecutor. (laughs) You can be the defense attorney. And you can declare that you're innocent and you're right and they're wrong. I mean, you can do it just about that fast. But she says, you've hurt me deeply. And I just shut up. I just got quiet. And it was like the Holy Spirit said, son, if you'll just shut up. Things would be a lot better. And I said, sweetheart, I'm so sorry that I've hurt you. I'm so sorry that this has wounded you. I'm so sorry that this has taken this argument to bring this out. I never knew you felt this way. And I said, I just need you to pray for me because I need God's grace not to do this thing that was hurting her so. I can't. I don't have the strength to change myself. I can only change if the Holy Ghost helps me, if Jesus helps me, if I get the grace of God working in me. And I got her to lay her hands on me and say, Jesus, please help Terrell in this area. He's not even aware that he does it, and I wasn't. I mean, all of us have blinders. We've all got blind spots. I mean, nobody's life is perfectly round. I mean, most people's life is a bit square. And we've all got blind spots that we, I mean, we th- you know, I thought I was pretty perfect. I thought I had it together until I got married. 
And then I realized I did. And then we finally started. I thought, well, our marriage is pretty perfect. It's pretty great. And then we started having children. And then, you know, I never knew how selfish I was until suddenly I couldn't live for me. We all have to deal with the flesh. Thank God for a wife that forgives. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. And I'm not saying you've got to be perfect if you're going to be committed to the Lord and have a heart for God. But you've got to desire God's will more than you want your will. Can I say that one more time? You've got to desire God's will more than you want your will. Here's the second point this morning. If you want to know God's purpose for your life, we all need to pray, Jesus, help me to overcome selfishness. Somebody say, ouch. Jesus, help me overcome selfishness. Give me the desire to live for you instead of just living for myself. I'm telling you, when you try to live for God, when you'll delight yourself in the Lord, folks, he'll place his desires down in your heart. And here's our third point this morning. One of the ways that God leads us is by the sanctified, holy, Christ-honoring desires of our heart. I've had people say, well, I, the Holy Ghost doesn't talk to me. I don't, I don't sense the direction of God. Well, the Bible says if you'll delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. And what that means is that as you delight yourself in Jesus, as you pursue your relationship with God, he will change the desires of your heart. He will order them according to his priorities. And it's one of the ways, not the only way, but it's one of the ways the Holy Spirit will lead you. Now, that's worth the price of coming this morning. You know, when the, when the deacon board first called Kathy and I about coming here almost 13 years ago, it was actually Easter Sunday evening 13 years ago, the board here called us and said, uh, Pastor Brown has resigned and we'd like to know if you're willing to be candidates to come and pastor our church. I, I just tell you, it was not in our heart to come and pastor this. It's not that you're not a great congregation. It's just that we had a great congregation. And, and, and it was not in our heart to come to Tallahassee to pastor Evangel. And we prayed about it, but it's just we couldn't hear anything from God. And, and we were delighting ourselves. As far as I know, we were delighting ourselves in the Lord, but we weren't hearing anything. And five months passed. And I've told you this story before. I'm down in the basement of our home on a Thursday night. I'm, I'm putting up drywall. We'd had a flood and I've had to replace all this drywall. So here I am. I'm, I'm, I'm caked in, in, uh, particle board dust and I, I'm wearing a, a nail apron and, 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 and a hammer. I mean, I look like the home improvement guy. I mean, I was, and that's not my gift. I can tell you, but I was doing my best and I was down there just praying. And I, 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 I say I heard the Holy Spirit. I didn't hear an audible voice, but I had this impression down in my heart. I, here's what I heard. I heard the Lord say, I have called you to Pastor Evangel. And I remember when that impression came into my heart, I said, Lord, you did? I thought, I've already turned him down. And I was caked in that white particle board dust. And I just walked up the stairs and, and, and just leaving footprints everywhere I went. And I found Kathy and I told her what the Lord said to me or what I felt like God was saying. And she says, he did? 
And we began praying about it. And let me tell you what happened. It was hard for us to stand in front of our congregation in Illinois and resign. It was real hard because we had invested 14 years of our life, our time, our talent, our treasure, our blood, our sweat, our tears, our prayers, our intercession, our service. I mean, we just had never intended that we would ever leave that church. It was hard to stand before him, but God did something. When he spoke to our hearts, he started giving us the desire to leave the Chicago area and to no longer pastor that church. And he gave us a desire to pastor Evangel Assembly of God. And the more we prayed about it, the stronger it became. And see, you, you got to figure this out, folks. I mean, when God speaks to you, he's not going to tell you to go rob a bank. He's not going to tell you to do some ungodly thing. If the desire of your heart is to go out and commit adultery, hey, that's not the Holy Ghost. Everybody agreed? Everybody understand? But when it's a Christ-honoring, holy desire that's consistent with Scripture, when it's the Holy Ghost talking to you and speaking to you, He will, it'll get stronger and stronger and stronger. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, David gives us four steps in delighting ourselves in the Lord here in Psalms 37. Four steps. Here we go. He says, first of all, this is verse 3. He says, trust in the Lord and do good. Number one, what's the first step? Just trust in the Lord. You say, what does it mean to trust in the Lord? Well, if you'll find in your Bible, you'll find over 7,000 promises in the Old and New Testament. Every promise in the book is yours. Every chapter, every verse, every line. The promises of God are for you. There are over 7,000 promises. Let me tell you where trust in the Lord starts. It starts in finding a promise that you can that speaks to your heart and taking a stand of faith on that promise. That's, a, that's essentially what trusting in the Lord is because you're standing not on your emotions, And we as Pentecostals, I mean, we love to feel the Holy Ghost. We love our emotions. But trusting God is not always standing on emotion. It's standing on the truth of God's Word. And that's the reason I encourage you, you know, when you read your Bible, have a highlighter or have something you can underline, the promises that speak to your heart, the commandments, the precepts, the principles, underline that, and then ask yourself, how does this scripture apply to my life, number one? And number two, then begin to pray that scripture. That's how you start growing, one of the ways that you start growing in your relationship with the Lord. Amen? Well, he says, trust in the Lord, and then he says, I want you to do good. That's the second step. Everybody say, do good. See, when you live like God's Word tells you to live, you're not going to be lying and cheating and stealing. You're not going to be a con artist. You're not going to always have a a scheme. You're not going to be out sleeping with somebody you're not married to. Come on. When you're you're doing good, you're going to be doing, good comes from the word God. You're going to be doing godly things. James 4 verse 17 says, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Then there's a third step, and it's found in verse 3. He says, dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. One of the best things you can ever do for yourself, 
Please hear me. One of the best things you can ever do for yourself is to feed on the faithfulness of God. Feed on the promises of God, but also remember all the times he's come through for you. Feed, talk about it, meditate about it. Think on it, the times God answered your prayer. Think about the times he healed you. Think about the times he met your needs. Think about the times that you were at a, at a crossroads and didn't know what to do. And the Lord directed your steps. Think and meditate on those things. Tell other people about it. It will strengthen you. You know, as, as a young man, I was petrified when I felt that God had called me into the ministry. I used to say, God, I'll do anything for you. I just don't want to be a preacher. God, I'll do anything for you. I just don't want to be a pastor. I don't want to have to stand in front of people and speak because when I stood in front of people in high school and even in college, I would break out in a sweat. My knees would begin to knock. And it was a miserable experience for me. I even got through college preparing for pastoral ministries. I get on staff in St. Augustine, but I'm still saying, oh God, may I not have to get in front of anybody and preach because it scares the perjeebers out of me. I found two scriptures. The first is from Acts chapter 6. It talks about Stephen. Stephen was a deacon. He had been appointed by the apostles to wait on tables to take care of the benevolence ministry, but he was also a good teacher and preacher. And it says that he started preaching, and it says this in Acts chapter 6. It says they could not resist the wisdom nor the spirit by which he spoke. I was in college. I underlined that verse of Scripture, and I began praying it. God, I just believe that one day I'm going to be able to speak with an anointing. I believe that one day, Lord God, I'm going to be able to speak, and my knees aren't going to knock, and I'm not going to be sweating. And, Lord, I'm not going to have to buy stock in a deodorant company, Lord Jesus. I believe that, that one day, Father, I'll be able to speak, and people won't be able to resist the wisdom nor the spirit by which I speak. That was my prayer. That was my meditation. I was, I was meditating in faith, talking about God's faithfulness that I had not seen yet David said I would have I would have there you go I would have fainted unless I believed that I was going to see the goodness of the Lord and the land of the living and some of you need to grip to, to just reach out and grab some hope and some faith and find a scripture and start counting God faithful even though you've not seen it come to pass in your life because I guarantee you God wants to show himself faithful in your life. Dwell in the land. Feed on his faithfulness. There was a second scripture I began to stand on. And that was Isaiah. Isaiah said, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. And I used to tell Kathy, my feet are beautiful, Kathy. Because <laughs> I'm preaching the gospel. I said it by faith. My feet weren't very beautiful. But I said it by faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Glory to God. <laughs> Dwell in the land, feed on his faithfulness. Well, my senior pastor, George Bass, heard me telling somebody that I hated to speak in front of people, that my knees knocked, that I began perspiring. And he said one day, he said, Terrell, I want you to start taking over the Wednesday night services. From now on, you're going to preach every Wednesday night. 
boy, he didn't know what he was putting me through. Man, I was, I was nervous and I was sweating. Kathy and I were living in a one-bedroom apartment. She was teaching school in those days. And for two years, I was preaching on Wednesday nights. Let me tell you what it looked like. On Wednesday mornings, I would have been studying. I had my meager little sermon outline there. And I would take out the ironing board. If you don't have a pulpit, get an ironing board. I took out the ironing board. And I'd put my Bible and my notes on it. And man, I would preach to the sofa. Then I'd preach to the refrigerator. Then I'd preach to the kitchen table. Then I'd preach to the, to the walls. Just a one bedroom. I mean, there wasn't too much more in there to preach to. And I'd go over it once. I'd go over it twice. I'd go over it three times. And I would see myself standing in a stadium like Billy Graham with hundreds of thousands of people. And you know what? It was so uncomfortable when I started doing that. But the day came, I forgot about myself. That's a, that's a big part of it. Just forget about yourself. <laughs> Focus on Jesus. Glory, glory, glory. He says there's a final step here found in Psalms 37. It's found in verse 5. He says, commit your way to the Lord. Everybody say, commit. Commit your way to the Lord. See, that not only means talking to God about your plans. But it means casting all your care, all your heartache, all your problems, all your challenges, all your questions, all your frustrations, casting them on the Lord. I want us to look at this verse out of the Amplified Bible, just the first part of it. Psalms 37.5 Amplified says, commit your way to the Lord, roll and repose each care of your load on him. Well, 1 Peter 5 verse 7 says, casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. Let me tell you what will happen. If you go through life saying, well, I don't need to cast my cares on the Lord. I can take care of them. I can carry this problem. I can carry this heartache. Let me tell you what, that problem will become the focus of your soul. And there's a principle we've been learning in this series called the principle of focus. Whatever you focus on will consume you and it will determine your destiny. Some of you are depressed because you've been focusing on the wrong things. Some of you are down and out this morning because you've been focusing on the wrong things. See, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And the law of focus says, if I'm focusing on the problem... If I'm focusing on the care, on the frustration, that is going to consume your thoughts. Now, now, what does Psalms 37 verse 4 says? It says, if you'll delight yourself in the Lord, He'll give you the desires of your heart. There are a lot of people who have no clue what the desire of their heart is because all they've done their whole life is focus on the problem. And they walk around like this. But the Bible says, I don't have to walk around like this. The Bible says that I can cast all my care upon the Lord because He cares for me. That means you just take your problems and you, and you talk to God about them. And you say, Lord, I'm giving this to you. I want you to help take care of this thing. I'm not going to just come and give it a swimming lesson right here and then take it back with me. But Lord God, I'm bringing it to you and I'm going to leave it with you. And so now I'm going to walk around like this. 
And I'm going to delight myself in the Lord. And God, I thank you because you're giving me the desires of my heart. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Now, here's the truth. Let me put it like this in a question to you. What are the sanctified, Christ-honoring desires of your heart this morning? Think about it. What are the holy, Jesus-honoring desires of your heart? Are you doing this morning what God wants you to do? Now forget about impossibilities. Forget about money for a minute. Let's just assume you got a billion dollars in the bank. Somebody say hallelujah. Let's just assume you got a billion dollars in the bank. Let's assume that you're forgetting about all the negative things your family and friends and others have said to you on why you can't go forward in life. You're forgetting about your past failures. What is it that is the desire of your heart as you delight yourself in the Lord? What is it that he would have you to do? If there are no restrictions at all, what would you do? Everybody look at me. Here's what happens. A lot of us go through life and we get our dreams beat out of us. Life happens. We get disappointed time and time and time again to the point that we're afraid to dream anymore. You know, Proverbs 13 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire realized is a tree of life. And some of you have just stopped at half of that verse. Your heart has been sick for a long, long time, and you don't know how to live any other way than with a heart that's sick. But somewhere, somehow, you got to reach down and exercise some faith and say, God, I believe that I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And I'm not going to live in this place that's called deferred hope all my life. But I'm going to have a desire realized. And God, you're at work to willing to do of your good pleasure in my life. Somebody say, hallelujah. I've had people tell me, say, well, Terrell, dreaming is for children. Don't you know I'm in life and I've got a responsibility and I've got to get on with life. Here's here's what I really think. I think that when it comes to discerning God's purpose and God's will, there are a lot of us that would rather have an angel suddenly appear and say, this is God's will. We would rather encounter a burning bush with Moses and have that burning bush talk to us. Rather than listening to the still small voice of the Holy Ghost, rather than delighting ourselves in the Lord and discerning the God-honoring desires that are in our heart. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Folks, I, I've been pastoring a lot of years, and I've been by the bedsides of people just before they went home to heaven. And I have never in my life had anybody say to me, say, Terrell, I wish in my life that, that I lived in a bigger house. When people are on their deathbed, I've never heard anybody say, gee, I wish I'd had a nicer car. 
You know what people talk about when they're on their deathbed? They talk about relationships. They talk about, they said, gee, I wish I'd been a better father. I wish I'd set a better example. I wish I'd been a better husband. I wish I'd been a better son or daughter or brother or sister. I I wish I'd done more for the kingdom. I, I really feel like I've got a call of God on my life, but pastor, I've never stepped out to obey it. And let me tell you something. The things that really matter are people. Ooh, come on. The things that really matter have to do with people. Jesus died for people. God's interested in people. He's interested in community. He's commi- He's interested in relationships. That's the reason one of our regular prayers is, God, may Evangel Assembly be a life-giving congregation. Oh, Jesus, love with skin on for a hurting world. The number one way you're going to learn to follow God's will. I want you to catch this. We're, 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 I'm stopping this series after today. The number one way you're going to learn to follow God's will is simply by putting him first and then following the holy, sanctified, Christ-honoring desires of your heart. It's not that complicated. Norm, how about coming on to the to the keyboard. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me close this morning with a story. We had two weeks ago now, Pastor Robert Berger from Lima, Peru, was with us for our missions weekend. And some of you remember the story he told about starting the orphanage for street kids. I remember. I remember Robert talking about that one day he would love to have an orphanage. But he says, I don't think I could have one because it would cost way too much money. And he says it would would have to have social workers working with the government. And he talked about all the reasons they could never have it. And then one time I was with Pastor Robert and there's some more American pastors there. And somebody asked him over coffee, said, Robert, what's the dream and desire of your heart? He says, the dream and desire of my heart is to take these kids off the streets of Lima who are into sexual debauchery and all stealing and all kinds of stuff. He says, I would love to start a children's home. I'd love to start an orphanage. Do you know, two weeks after that, one of those pastors went back to his church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, told his congregation about that dream. They received an offering and they sent a check for $50,000 this was some time ago, almost 18, 19 years ago. Camino DeVito was able to buy a piece of acreage. They don't sell them in acres like we do, but in meters. They bought a large parcel of land that already had buildings on it. Another congregation in Maryland said, Pastor Robert, we'll buy all the furniture and all the furnishings, all the beds. All the chest of drawers, everything that 30 children are going to need. And they had that check within the month. Another congregation said, Pastor Robert, we have a nurse in our church who would like to go to the mission field. She's always wanted to go to the mission field. And she wants to donate three years, dedicate three years of her life to serving. And she'll come down and she'll take care of the kids. And not only that, but we're going to provide 
the monies for two salaries because we know you're going to have to hire two social workers to satisfy the governmental requirements. And there were other costs involved. And do you know that inside three months of Robert articulating that dream, that desire, they had the property, the nurse was on her way, the furniture was coming. Don't let your dream die stillborn. I believe looking in the faces of everybody here I I just believe God's got some big big things I'm going to tell you something the best churches haven't been planted yet the best songs haven't been written yet the best sermons haven't been preached yet the best advances of the kingdom of God haven't taken place yet of course it's hard to beat this sermon today right but I'm just I'm just kidding I'm just just kidding just kidding just kidding just kidding I has not seen nor ear heard neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those of us that love him but God reveals those things unto us by his spirit his spirit searches all things yea the deep things of God don't allow heartache and problems to paralyze you God's a big God I said he's a big God glory to God just stand to your feet all over this house We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.